Good morning. You're listening to the Sophian News Hour, brought to you by the Sophian, Smith College's independent student-run newspaper, located in Northampton, Massachusetts. This show is hosted and edited by Phoebe Rack and Chloe Pratt. In collaboration with the Smith College radio station, episodes of this podcast are broadcast live Tuesdays from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. on WOZQ 91.9 FM. Otherwise, you can find us anytime on Spotify and Apple Music. Let's get into it. This week, we have a story on Boy Harsher, an EDM music duo, a feature on the niche Instagrams of Smith College, an Ada Comstock profile on Funan Pin, and three opinion pieces, one on The Mental Health Dilemma by Jane Brinkley, one on the struggle that Smith's dining staff are facing, and lastly, one on Smithies Who Apologize Too Much by Jade Mosley, who we'll be talking with at the end of the show. A trigger warning for this episode is that this episode mentions mental illness, suicide, abuse, and alcoholism that some might find distressing. Um, let's get into our first piece. Chloe's going to talk about it. Yeah, so first we're going to talk about music, um, about a cool band called Boy Harsher. And in fact, it's a, it's a duo composed of singer Jay Matthews and Augustus Muller. And they performed on October 30, 30th of October uh, in Holyoke, so in Massachusetts, uh, at the Gateway City of Arts. And they compose and sing mainly EDM music. Uh, and they have few lyrics but repetitive sounds that are really nice to hear. And the author of the article, so Bella Livari, uh, mentions the synesthetic experience she had when attending the show and the homey feeling she experienced during the event. And she really had this feeling she built a community and uh, also she felt she belonged there, even though she's not originally from Massachusetts. And she explains that um, this sensation is also shared by Jane Matthews because the singer was born in Georgia and feels connected to Massachusetts because of the encounters she made there. And I found this interesting, the fact that she can be connected to two places uh, in a time and yeah. you can have like multiple homes and that really speaks to me also because as an international student, you know, I feel like still connected to France but trying also to find an anchoring ground here. So, yeah. and I guess it's the same for you, I mean, being from you know, California. And yeah, that's interesting. I think that's super powerful too. The idea of having multiple homes. Yeah. Um, our next piece is, it's called The Mental Health Dilemma. Um, and it's by Jane Brinkley. So um, Brinkley begins, and this is the piece that mentions suicide. So just be aware of that. Um, Brinkley begins by mentioning Elliot Smith, who is a Hampshire College alum, which is one of the colleges in our five college consortium. And Elliot Smith is is a musician, and he says, this is the quote, she says, I guess I proved myself that I could do something I really didn't want to do for four years. Even though I did like what I was studying, at the time it seemed like this is your one and only chance to go to college, and you just better just do it because someday you might wish that you did. Um, and that was his, like, motivation for going to Hampshire. Um, and so Smith is actually one of a collection of five college graduates, the other being David Foster Wallace and Sylvia Plath, who 
as Brinkley says, whose artistic and intellectual contributory potential was eclipsed by intense, intense and debilitating depression and, and death by suicide at the age of 34. Which is kind of crazy. They're all five college students um, and all very smart and people. Um, so Brinkley says that suicide is the leading cause of death for, for college-age students. 44% of students nationally reported symptoms of anxiety and depression, which is a lot, a huge percentage. And, and the suicide is the leading cause of death for our age group, hovering around second place after accidents and right before, um, and before cancer. Brinkley writes that this is an ongoing problem in higher education and recounts stories from her friends at Columbia who say the suicide announcement emails are just templates that they plug new names into, which is disturbing that it's such a like light thing that it, in, our, in our culture. Um, and it, sometimes I feel like at Smith students, and Brinkley says this too, that it often seems that Smith avoids these issues with mental health and and that like that it, we're not as plagued by it as maybe other schools are, but it's, that's not necessarily the case. And it's we can see these by these alumni, and we're not immune from high, like the higher education problems of mental health issues. And Brinkley was inspired to write this because she was walking down the river and she found a note saying, she said, I found a note that someone left on the ground saying, please try not to kill yourself. And it kind of like brought awareness to like, it's really hard. And, and there's a lot of mental health issues that happen in that we should, Brinkley wants to bring awareness to the legacy of mental health, mental illness in higher education and specifically at Smith and to not like detach that from Smith because it is an important thing to be aware of. Yeah. Uh, what is the next article? So the next article is much lighter. Um, it's a piece by Frances Baker Tucker, and it's about niche Instagrams. This is a really funny piece, you guys. You should really read it. It's hilarious. Frances is super funny. Um, so for those of you who do not know, Smith has a lot of niche Instagram accounts, and they range on a lot of different things. They're really funny. There's, like, questionable outfits of Smith College. Um, there's one that's, like, best nap spots of Smith College. There's, like... Um, there's so many different ones and they're really funny. They're like best chairs of Smith College. Um, and it's, yeah, they're, it's super funny. And so Francis or Baker Tucker like meets with a couple of different who, people who run these Instagram accounts and kind of learn, we learn about what they are and more about them. So she spoke with four different accounts of the niche Instagram. So the first one was Meals of Smith College run by two students who call themselves Lesbo Admin 1 and Lesbo Admin 2. Um, and the admin accept submissions and post photos for the, themselves at different meals at Smith and they rate them. It's meant to be very like funny and lighthearted and they understand that dining staff, dining is understaffed and workers are working hard and so yeah. they want to, it's less about like saying, claiming the food is like not good and they, but it's just like a more fun thing to like rate the different food places and, and the different meals they have and some of them are amazing and some of them are like are funny and um they also have dining staff workers who follow them so they want to be mindful of that too Ooh. um some of their baker tucker says that some of their solid gold material is an october 2nd post captioned mm, leftover hair in the leftover king scales ice cream um Ooh. which they admit was taken after hours in the dining hall which was most likely a result of heavy student traffic by the ice, ice cream station 
and a September 19th post featuring what appears to be an insect captioned, extra protein in the Chuck It spaghetti tonight? Anyone know what kind of bug this is? Which I... Which is just... Makes me not hungry. Not want to go to the dining hall tonight. Um, But, um... I have not had any experiences like that. I mean, I've had, like, oh. food that I've been to subpar, but I've never found, like, in a bug in my food. Oh, I found a hair. Like, it was horrible. Yeah, it was yesterday. Oh so, for breakfast, I took um, uh, two pancakes and uh, a quiche. Mm-hmm. And I didn't eat the quiche at all because I found that there was a hair in it, and it was definitely not mine. It was, like, really blonde-ish, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, God. And so, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, God. That's horrible. But, yeah. Um, the next... The next account is Smith Questionable Fits, which is run by Lucy Brock and Miranda Olivares and their camera person, Rachel Freeman. And they are trying to feature the most authentic and truly dubious outfits that the campus has to offer. They said... They want an outfit that someone put on and said, this is it. And everyone else is like, this is not it. Or maybe it will be. And it's so it's questionable, you know. It's, it ha- they're up for debate. They need discussion. Yeah. Um, they also have standards for what is considered questionable. And Brock says, if everything is just a graffiti that says some dad joke on it, it's not really questionable. That, um, and so they have people submit things and talk about if they're questionable or not. I think that they're all, like, people submit their friends, not, like, you don't, like, take a picture of a stranger, because that would be kind of rude. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, they also, um, they, this team also runs Smith College Weekly, up, unofficial weekly update, which started last year to give, like, some comedic segments on different happenings at Smith. It was very funny. Um, I watched it a lot last year. And the last account is Smith Selectuals, which is sort of a meme page, which pokes fun at different aspects of Smith culture. I think that they talked about, they like have different characters that are on it. Like the, um, like the orb is featured as like a, they make jokes about it and they make jokes about, <laughs> I know Chloe's favorite thing in the world, the orb. It's not my favorite thing. <laughs> I mean, it's art and you have to respect it. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, the, and like different like features of like, of Smith. Ooh. Can um, you follow all of these accounts? Yeah, so follow, wow. so these are all on Instagram, at um, Meals of Smith, at Smith College Unofficial Weekly Update, at Smith College Questionable Fits, and at Smith Selectuals. You can follow all these accounts on Instagram. They're very fun and a break from stress and academics. Are you going to start a niche page too? Um, <laughs> I wish I start mine. I have a lot of things that I feel like maybe I should just make a, my thoughts on everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because everyone wants to hear those. I mean, if we are, you already do on our... Um, Chloe, what is our next one? So, it's about uh, how the dining staff of campus is facing more pressure and is less and less supported because, in fact, the pandemic uh, un- undermined the conditions of the Smith dining staff. Um, they are, the queues are really getting longer and the employees are lesser. So the problem is that uh, the dining staff does not have all the resources they need to provide the food needed because more and more people need uh, the food but there's not you know there's not the 
yeah. for resources. Plus, uh, you have expanded service hours, but you do not have additional staff, so the lines are slowed down. Um, and also, the staff feels pressured because there are new food requirements. So you have allergen labeling, uh, you have food to go, and that requires uh, more labor for the staff. And even though these requirements um, make the uh, life of students easier and respond to their needs, they also uh, slow down the speed of the service and because staff is in shortage, so yeah. And also there's an another problem is that uh, the food to go uh, raises environmental issues because um, garbage waste has increased and compost has lessened because students do not always know uh, what is compostable and what is not. Which, I don't know. They, there's signs everywhere telling you what is compostable, what's not. Yeah. People don't read the signs. I mean, I, I read them, but it was mentioned in the article that, you know, students were a bit confused. Um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And also, um, yeah, because there's uh, more um, food offer and food requirements and less um, staff, Many dining halls had to close, and um, the fact they are, that there are fewer dining halls and more food requirements is another challenge for uh, the staff. Yeah, I and, bet. and the problem is that they also uh, are lacking uh, stu of student workers in their kitchens, so they have to do their tasks. So it's an additional, you know, labor. And even though they are pressured by all this changes they also mentioned that they appreciate uh the 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 student patience and yeah i think that, that it's a huge thing it's it's so stressful i can only like i think everyone all the students just feel so bad for dining workers like it's, it's a hard job it's a super hard job to have and they're yeah. not supported as much as they should be and also it's i admire them because i ah, yeah, especially totally. at tyler i always notice that they there's this um team building and community yeah. and they always listen to good music and with my friends we're like oh my god they have such good mu good music taste and everything and like it's not an easy job but they, no. feel, yeah. they are so you know um strong as a as a community, community. and the yeah yeah it's yeah, that's awesome um so we have another ada comstock profile um yeah so it was written yeah it's gonna um it is a okay. new one of our series, which um, is very excited about of our series. Uh, we love the Adams at Smith. <laughs> <laughs> we have a little groupie here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this article was written by Alice Tan, and it's about a 20-year-old international student called Poonan Pin from Cambodia. And so this student confronted poverty and injustice in her home country. And despite all the hardships she had to face, she never forgot her mother's advice, which is, I quote, education is the only weapon that can protect you. And I found this very, very yeah. powerful. So, um, her dad was violent and abusive towards her and herself in her own country. And the police did not uh, help her family because they considered that domestic violence was, uh, I quote, a family matter. Oh my so, God. You know, her. Yes. Uh, and Pin's dad uh, spent money on gambling and on alcohol, so 
Poonam and her family did not have much money left, you know, to eat, etc. So Poonam's siblings uh, dropped school to work and provide her family with food. And even um, Pin was working when she was only seven years old as a trash baker. So, oh my gosh. This is yeah. crazy, this story. I read this article and I was like, oh my gosh. These are so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like so um, moving. And, yeah. Um, but one day, a social worker from an organization called EPS, so Fair Ponlu Selfak Association, I hope I pronounced that well, helped her become an acrobat and provided her with food and a free school program. So Poonam performed for 13 years. Wow. And thanks to this circus, she could provide her family with money uh, while at the same time continuing her studies because her mother was, but it was really important. And she was also traveling for several miles to study English in a local university. Wow, that's so cool. So there's always this, you know, huge um, uh, power of education in her mind. Um, but in fact, one day Pen uh, got an injury at a circus, and so she looked for other opportunities because, um, yeah, it was starting to get dangerous. So that's hard. Yeah. And also, she mentioned that uh, other, I mean, I mean, other people at the circus, as they could not perform anymore, you know, they ended like really, you know, badly. And yeah. It was really hard for them, so she tried to find other uh, options and she was helped by a sponsor uh, uh, whose name is not mentioned but uh, <laughs> she was helped by a sponsor and so Jan uh, joined the US in 2016 so first she studied at Montgomery College and three years later she joined Smith College so yay in fact she really liked what she really liked at Smith College was the ADA community and she felt she was a part of it uh, as she said, I understand it's not easy to give up your job, your career, maybe your family, your life, just to go back to school. Pursuing another dream is not easy. I can relate because I did that myself. I gave up everything I know and Cambodia to come here, she said. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and so she decided to major in government and minor in reproductive uh, justice because she, um, you know, struggled against uh, racism and sexism, and she also denounces all the injustice that was inflicted by America and Cambodia. And back in Cambodia, she was considered as, I quote, a black Cambodian, and she was bullied at school, so she really, you know, fights for uh, these causes, and she intends also to be a lawyer. Wow. So, wow. <laughs> really That's amazing. so powerful. Yeah. Um, so our next and final piece is called Sorry I Wrote This, and it's by Jade Mosley, who we, be so who we will be catching up with later. Yeah. Um, so Mosley recounts an interaction that she had with a professor at office hours that went like this. So Jade said, sorry to bother you again. And the professor said, don't apologize. You know, since coming to a historically women's college, I've noticed that you all, and Jade said, say sorry too much. <laughs> <laughs> and so... She wanted to write about this piece. So Mosley was surprised that this was not only a tendency that she has, but additionally one that plagues most of campus. And after noticing this, 
after like this encounter, Mosley began noticing the apologizing all over campus. And it's it's well known that women or female identifying people are more likely to apologize than men are. But oftentimes at Smith, we believe that gender no longer limits us and we're above these sort of issues. And so we don't realize some of the like tendencies that we have are the internalized misogyny. Um, and so Jade says that we should acknowledge the role that sexism and gender stereotypes still play in our society and in Smith. And that even though these oftentimes are subconscious, like we, there are like definitely gender roles and like aspects that are like here. And sometimes we feel that because there are large scale discussions going on about abortion and maternal health and equality, we believe that we've moved past some of the preconceived notions of gender, which we haven't all the way. And so Mosley acknowledges that apologizing is often done to be empathetic, but sometimes it blames the apologizer for something that they shouldn't necessarily be blamed for. Like if you say, sorry to bother you, like you're not, you shouldn't be blamed for bothering. Like, that's not your fault. Like, you shouldn't have to take responsibility for so much all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, So now we're going to speak with Jade about her piece and her views on apologizing. Okay, so we're here with Jade, and she wrote um, an opinions piece called Sorry I Wrote This. And so, Jade, will you tell us more about, like, the interaction that inspired your article? Yeah, I went to my professor's office hours and I sat down and I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry to bother you again. And he was like, no, don't apologize. Like, ever since coming to the women's college, I've noticed that you guys apologize a ton. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I just like felt like I had to sit with that because, I don't know, nobody had ever pointed that out to me. But after she said that, I just walked around campus and like everywhere I went, like, people were just saying sorry all the time. And it started to become something that was more noticeable and I felt like it was something that would be interesting to write about. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it just, it becomes like kind of a, something we don't even notice anymore. We say it, but it's unconscious and it's so, like as if we were feeling, you know, we were bothering the other person or yeah. we were worried about uh, how the other person might feel, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think that we might overuse it a little mm. bit. Um, I think there are contexts where it's good to say sorry, but like, you know, if you're using office hours, like for their intended purposes, or like you're stumbling on a yeah. new language, like, I don't think that really warrants the sorry or like this yeah. kind of act of self-blame. Yeah. Totally. And like saying apo- over-apologizing is specifically like an issue that like, like, studies have shown that it affects women and like female identifying people way more than it does men and so I wonder if like being around like and being in historical women's college that if that like makes us apologize more or if it's just like we notice it more because there's more women I don't know yeah I feel like um you know probably statistically there are more people who identify women as women on this campus than there are on other campuses um just because of the nature of the college, and I feel like that does make us all a little more inclined to apologize more, because mm-hmm. I think even though we're attending an institution that's meant to, like, subvert gender stereotypes, there's still a lot of things that we can't shake that we grew up with. Yeah. Um, especially when we're just, like, talking to people. I feel like that's when those kinds of things come out the most, because that's the thing that we think least about. You know, we think about, like, politics and, like, all those really big-picture things, but, like, you know, when I think about colloquially how we talk to people and how we interact with people um, in very forgettable ways. I feel like that's where some of those things that we grew up with kind of sneak out. 
So I feel like it's definitely very noticeable on a historically women's college campus. Totally. Do you have things that you've like have you that you notice yourself apologizing for? Yeah, I am a really bad over apologizer. It's like my worst habit. So like if I like I don't know, if I accidentally turn the wrong light on in my room, I'll be like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry, like sorry about turning this light on because we try not to use our overhead lights. Um if I accidentally slam the door because of the wind, I'll be like, sorry, 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 I just make that sound. Um, if I'm at one of those rolling tables and I like move it a little bit, I'm like, sorry. Like it kind of just slips out like an everyday conversation. And it's a really bad habit that I have, but I had never noticed that other people also had that really bad habit, so. Totally. And who do you uh, apologize to the most? Um, probably everybody. <laughs> um, but I, I would say, um, Probably my friends, um, just like, if I'm bothering them, I try to apologize to them probably more mm-hmm. frequently than I should. Like, if I'm talking to them about my problems, I'm like, sorry, sorry to bother you with this. And, you know, I think that's a really good habit that we can drop because, you know, your friends are supposed to be there for you and you shouldn't no, that's yeah, so true. burdensome for that. So that's definitely something I've become more conscious of mm-hmm. and something that I would like to do less. I think that Smith students in general have this idea that they are burdensome on other people and like and I and I feel like we're all hyper aware of like are the space that we take up and Mm -hmm. who we are and so being like I like we notice like oh I have asked three questions about my I've asked you three questions in this conversation you should now like ask me three questions that's polite that's what you do and this like idea of like being polite and being that like it goes almost to a fall because people like you can you deserve to like talk about yourself some time and get advice with your friends and you deserve to be able to go to office hours and there's like you shouldn't be penalized for that and you shouldn't like have to like take responsibility for things like that yeah. today my friend we were eating dining hall and i said oh you have something in your hair she said oh my gosh i'm so sorry and i was like why are you apologizing i was just like 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 you are can have whatever you want in your hair <laughs> like <laughs> i was yeah. i was just trying to help you but it's such a thing that like it's totally a thing and it's interesting that you notice it more on in Smith than like in other like places in the world because like you like when I go like I don't know I don't notice it as much unless I'm like with women and yeah yeah and I don't think that I think that shows some things that are good about this campus like I think it's good that there are a lot of people who are pretty sensitive to the feelings of others on this campus and I think like totally. a lot of men would do well to be more sensitive to other yeah. people's feelings. But I also think that a lot of women can also learn to be a little less eager to take the blame and just be like, oh my god, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, sometimes it's just not necessary. Sometimes it's better to say something like, thank you, or yeah. like that. Sometimes it's not necessary, sometimes it's not in the context. And also sometimes, the problem is that when you say sorry too much, then when it's, you like, sometimes it loses its meaning, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, it just becomes something really impulsive to say. And, like, mm-hmm. it's crazy because it's very easy for me to say sorry, like, in very small contexts. Yeah. But, like, if I ever had to apologize for something very big, that would be something that's, like, difficult. really not natural and very difficult for me. And I feel like, you know, that's somewhere they're sorry to come from. It should be something, like, really genuine, something mm-hmm. that you really take the blame for. Some, not something just yeah. like, oh, I'm a little too close to your space. Whoops. Because apologies can be very powerful when they're used in the right context. Yeah. yeah. I think that your point about, like, saying thank you instead of saying sorry is also very important because 
it also, I think it's more meaningful. Like if you were at your professor's office hours, you said, sorry to bother you, then they might like think that the encounter is negative or like that it's like, like, but like, and actually like it would be, I would feel much more like grateful to someone who said, thank you for like your time or thank you for spending this time with me because it like, it's way better than like them saying, apologizing and feeling that they're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, and I think it's also just a way for us to not reject our manners. I hate when we say, you should stop saying sorry, but you should also be more assertive and aggressive in place of that. Um, I think assertion is good, but I also think that there's a lot of value in being mainly and being polite. Yeah. You know, like there, there's something good about being able to have interactions with people and having guidelines to make it not um, super abrasive. So, I mean having stand-in words that you can use just in daily conversation to express your gratitude, I think those are very good things. So, I mean, saying thank you, be using other gestures of politeness, I think that all of those kinds of things are still really important to keep as part of our campus culture. Without blaming yourself. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's something I do too, the, the, to say thank you uh, for your time, you know, like, during office hours, you know, it's, the, the, the professor says that, and you say that, and it's kind of a reciprocal thing, and it's, you know, a great way to to end the, the conversation and to keep the relation, I mean, the relationship, I mean, the, you know, the teacher-student uh, kind of good terms going, you know, it's, yeah. Um, are there other aspects of, like, gender norms that you think that, like, Smithies believe we've moved past, but we haven't necessarily? Um, there are probably a lot of them. Yeah. Um, it, it's really difficult because, I mean, those ideas about gender norms, especially the really small things, I mean, it's really difficult to categorize whether totally. or not they're a problem. I mean, even things like whether or not you shave your legs or yeah. whether or not you put on makeup. I mean, would you classify that as something that's fitting in gender norms or something is that self-expression I mean that's something that's I think really it can good. be all, yeah. all of the above yeah um I think that like you bring up a really important point that in apology apologizing is, is, is an example of this but that at Smith we often feel like oh we're above sexism we're above this because we're in this like space that is predominantly female identifying people and that's not necessarily the case and you should be aware that there are gender norms and they're also like people express themselves in different ways so like wearing makeup first it doesn't necessarily like it can be a self-love thing and it also can be if someone doesn't want to wear makeup then they don't have to wear makeup like yeah 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 I definitely think it's complicated and I think it's I think it's just something that people should think about you know just like saying sorry isn't inherently um a an anti-feminist thing wearing makeup isn't inherently an anti-feminist thing but it's something that you should look at, I mean, are you wearing makeup only for the male gaze? Are you not? I mean, that's something that I still, like, struggle with thinking about. I mean, it's something that I haven't really unpacked myself. Yeah. I mean, I just got here. I'm just starting to understand, like, adulthood and all of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, just those little parts of my life that are, like, just habits that I've done. Like, I really start to rethink all of those things, especially on campus mm. like this. Which is honestly a really great thing about being at Smith is because yeah. it, it breaks up your view of what you think is, like, normal. Yeah, yeah. And think also, thinking also about you and what, what makes you comfortable. If you want to, you know, uh, wear a bare face, do that. If you're yeah. comfortable with that. But if you're more comfortable with, I don't know, a certain lipstick, just do that. I mean, it's also thinking about yourself, not in a selfish way, but to, to feel good and to feel better. 
Yeah, yeah. There, I've definitely gotten to think a lot more about that, just kind of being more expressive about, of mm-hmm. myself yeah. on college campus like this. So that's really exciting, but it's also very challenging because, yeah. you know, challenging preconceived notions of what I grew up with my entire life living in Dover, Delaware, going to a co-ed school. So um, it's very different, but um, it's an interesting environment to become an adult in and to kind of find myself in. And in doing that, I'm trying to really analyze my daily just little habits and see how I can make those more reflective of myself. Yeah, that's really powerful. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. Um, It was a pleasure to have you. Yes. This was the Sophia News Hour, hosted and edited by Chloe Pratt and Phoebe Rack. Brought to you in collaboration with Rosie Q 99.9 FM, Smith College Radio. Thank you for listening. As always, you can read the full coverage of all these stories at thesophian.com, where you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter and find links to our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages. We hope you'll join us next week.